welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. We are beginning a new series this morning, and we've called it Home. It's a vision and values series. I got this picture of a a house um, before the new year, and I felt like uh, that the Lord would be calling us home. There's this thing that you feel when um, you partner with a group of people whose lives are pointed or headed the same way, and you feel at home in vision. You feel at home uh, with the folks around you doing life together together. And that's what we are here at Vineyard Cleveland. I'm sorry that, that I'm not the guy to keep the church inside of the walls. You, that's who I am. We are spilling. We believe that life is uh, bubbling up within us and spilling out into the streets. And we want to see life brought to every area of culture, every area of the city, every area of business, every area of the judicial system, every area of the education system, of the, uh, for caring workers, for nurses, doctors. We believe that the kingdom is coming that the kingdom is now and not yet, and that we get to be a part of that. How do we do that? By more outreach events? No. We simply do that by sharing our lives with others and seeing atmospheres shift around us because people of his presence create places of his presence. And that's what we're going to talk about today. When we talk about vision and values at Vineyard Cleveland, we cannot look any further than presence Presence is the foundation. God's presence in our lives is the foundation for what we are at Vineyard Cleveland. We're people of his presence. I need to set my timer, speaking of presence, because I want to make sure that we get out of here on time. You guys know me so well. Okay. We're people of his presence, and oftentimes when we hear this phrase, it's become sort of like this catchphrase. We're people of his presence. That's what we do. Well, what does that even mean? What does it mean that we're people of the presence of God? So that's what we're going to get after a little bit today. And the first thing that I felt like the Lord would be drawing our attention to is that we host the presence of God. We host the presence of God. And the key verse here is Psalm 16, verse 11. And the psalmist writes, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. In your presence there is fullness of joy. The Hebrew word for presence is panim. Panim. And the interesting thing about the word panim is that it actually means face. So when the psalmist says that there is fullness of joy in your presence, there's like this face-to-face thing. Scientists have found that there's like this joy center in the human brain. And you mothers know, when, if you are a new mother... 
or if you have had kids before, there are things that you will do and you will say to that newborn baby, you will coo and coo-coo-ga-ga-ga like that, that you would never say anywhere else in your life. There's this face-to-face connection. And in the same way, God the Father is saying, I want my presence to be in you so that you behold, you host the presence of God. It's interesting, before... Um, the Hebrew alphabet was developed. There was a, a, a script or a, um, a pictorial representation of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's called Paleo-Hebrew. And so they would draw pictures, yes, right to left. And as I was studying God's presence this week, well, not like it's a science project, as I was experiencing God's presence, I felt like this was important to share there are four Hebrew letters in this word panim, pe, nun, yad, and mem. And the paleo representation of these letters in the word presence mean voice or mouth, fish or life, hand or hold, and water or chaos, rushing water or chaos. So the literal, the, trans, the Hebrew translation for presence is that the voice, the voice of life that suppresses the chaos around us. Let's let that sink for a second. The voice of life who's with a hand holding the chaos. Amazing. God's presence in our lives, it's not just a theory. God's presence in our lives is a fact. And if there's nothing else that I wish to communicate to you, I wish I could express to you accurately what I've been sensing and feeling this week is that there's an experience of the presence of God that he's wanting to pour out through the hearts and hands of folks who are gathered here this morning so that we would spill out into the city and bring life. The other word in Hebrew that's important that some of y'all probably know is Shekinah. Shekinah, the glory of God, the weight of God. Now it's interesting that there's another Hebrew word that's tied to this word Shekinah, and it's Mishkan. Mishkan, Shekinah. And Mishkan means the tabernacle or the... the um, the uh, traveling temple of God before the temple was built. And so the glory um, of God in Shekinah and the Mishkan, the, the, the tabernacle, are linked together phonetically. And then we read in the New Testament, where is the temple? We are the temple. 1 Corinthians 3 16 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? We are the temple of God. We host the presence of God. And the one thing that I felt like I needed to express this morning is that there's a difference between knowing you're saved and experiencing his presence and everything. There's a drastic difference. 
He's in all of us. Yes, his omnipresence. He can be everywhere at the same time. Amazing. It's wonderful. He's in all of us. He's in, he's in me to give me comfort. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He's the helper. He gives me conviction. He gives me support. He's in all of us. Through covenant, he won't ever, ever leave. Like we sang this morning, he's never giving up on us. His presence is in us. You host the presence whether you like it or not sometimes. But he's not upon all of us. And there's a difference. Bill Johnson out in Reading at this church called Bethel says that he's in me for me. But he's upon me for you. He's in me for me. But he's upon me for you. If you picture a glass of um, milk, I was thinking about bringing a big gallon of milk and doing it, but no, it's too much work. I just share it. Are you, are you a chocolate milk Christian? You know, the difference between knowing that you're saved intellectually and experiencing the presence of God in everything that you do it. The daily conversation is sort of like chocolate milk. I got to be careful that I don't say milk. Who says milk? I say milk sometimes. And Sarah says, you said it again. You said milk. Milk. It's not milk, Eben. It's milk. Okay. Are you a chocolate milk Christian? If you have... Now, milk is delicious in and of itself. But the difference between knowing that you're saved and experiencing the presence of God is like when Hershey's syrup is poured, squeezed into a glass of milk and stirred up into every molecule of the milk until you can't tell one from the other. This is drastically different than just knowing Uh, Jesus came to save the world, or, you know, I'm a Christian. It's a drastically different lifestyle. Are you a chocolate milk Christian? But many Christians have just enough of Jesus or just enough of Christianity to make them miserable. That's why the infallible mark of a follower of Jesus is joy. There are too many gloomy Christians walking around. And I'm not discounting your sorrow. I'm not discounting your pain. I'm just saying when the presence of God is living inside of you and you're hosting the presence of God, you can face Anything, no matter what you're going through, you can have a joy and a peace that passes all understanding. When the world is going bonkers, when the world is bananas, you can feel the voice of life with a hand suppressing the chaos around you. And that's the difference between just knowing you're saved and experiencing the presence of God. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China, and he said, Christ is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. 
A.W. Tozer, with a similar sentiment, says, I want the presence of God himself. I want him. Or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has, or I don't want any. And it's sort of like the first day of spring at the swimming pool. Do you know this? It's not negative three degrees, and the sun is shining. I remember taking our kids. We had a pool in our neighborhood in Georgia, in Augusta. And it would be Georgia, so it's pretty hot. Well, not this week. And, um, but the water would still be super cold. And sometimes Luca, my son, would go down to the pool, and he'd just put his toes in. And when that happened, he would be like, oh, I'm not getting in. Go wrap up again. And here comes Winnie, my daughter. Splash! Come on in, Luca! It's wonderful! It's free! And some of us Christians are like that. We've had just enough to make us miserable. When God is saying, I want to, I want it all. There's not one square inch of the planet Earth where Jesus doesn't claim mine. Mine. He wants it all. And he wants us to have everything that he has for us. And so like Winnie, my daughter, he wants us to jump right in. To plunge ourselves in. Where we experience the presence of God as a reality rather than a theory. Just a theory. You know, a friend of mine told me a story this week. And this is beginning to happen. So it's beginning to bubble up. This is beginning to happen in the hearts of folks in Vineyard Cleveland. And it's beginning to happen more frequently. And so I want to encourage you with this story. There's a few stories I want to encourage you with. And my friend comes to me and she says, I don't really understand why this is happening in more and more frequency. But this, this instance happened to me the other day at work. Now, a few months back, this friend of mine had experienced on a Sunday morning the living presence of Jesus. And I was walking up to her and another lady to say hi, and um, I was excited to see him at the end of service. And I, and I ran up to him, and I was, gonna, I was like, hey, how's it going? How's it? And, I, and there's tears in her eyes, and I just realized that I, like, intruded, and I was like, oh, I just, like walked into a sacred moment there, so I kind of excused myself. But what was happening there was that there was a a transfer that took place, and the presence of God was coming and indwelling my friend. And so she's at work, and uh, she's in the medical field, and she's going about her job, and uh, there's this patient who is an addict, yeah, and has been hurt and um, has just, you know, destroyed his life and um, ends up at her workplace. And one of her coworkers, and she's, over, she's in the distance and she's overhearing this conversation. This man is like totally broken before her coworker. And he's like, I, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I, I just, I don't know what's going on with my life. You know, like completely broken. 
And her co-worker's like, well, we, well, you're not acting like it. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be struggling like this. Imagine what that does to crush somebody's spirit. And here's my friend listening to this conversation. And she explained to me, she said, I don't know what it was. I just felt like I needed to do something. Like that, he didn't deserve to be treated that way. He needs to feel Jesus' love for him. He needs to feel God's love for him. I got this really big smile on my face because then she told me later after the coworker had left, she went alongside this guy and she prayed for him and she told him, um, she told him his real story. That you are loved by God. That God does treasure you. And she goes, and she's telling me this, welling up with tears the other day. And she goes, I don't know why this keeps on happening. Ever since that Sunday morning with, at Vineyard Cleveland, it keeps on happening. All of these situations start rising up around me. And I feel like I have something burning on my heart to like, and I'm like, yeah, it's happening in you. The presence of God is awakening in you. It's not just paper. It's not just words and paper anymore, but it's, it's alive. The presence of God is waking up inside of you. And the presence of God doesn't want to stay inside of us. And that's the really great thing that I get to share with you this morning is that we not only get to host his presence, we carry his presence everywhere we go. And that's what separates um, a, a lot of Churches are doing a lot of great things, but that's what separates our place, our tribe, from many others. Many, many pastors will say, worship is great. You can raise your hands maybe about that high. And that's good. We'll take it. But don't let... What, well, we want to pray for the sick. Well, we don't do that here. You can't do that. We believe that the, the gifts... And healing died out with the apostles. And we'll say that. We, well, we want to heal the sick, and we want to pray for the sick. And some pastors will say, well, you can do that here. But what about my coworker? Oh, no, 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 no. That stays within these, you know, four walls. And that's what sets our tribe apart, is that we carry, we believe we carry the presence of God into every environment, every atmosphere we do. And everywhere we go, we're like Olaf from Frozen. We have our own little personal flurry, and we carry the kingdom of God in such a way that we create climates of repentance and climates of transformation. And how do we do this? Do we do this through priming the pump and, you know, Hyping up spirituality? No. We simply believe that God, as in my friend's situation, that God is already at work in everyone's life around you all the time. That some... That, that there is a story that's playing out in the lives of everybody, and God's a part of that story. And so we simply partner with what God is already doing, what Jesus is already doing, and we carry the presence of God into every area of society. Because the only thing that's better than gathering in his presence is carrying his presence. We want to do more than gather 
in his presence. We want to carry his presence into our community. And I feel like this morning I want to say to you, get ready. Get ready. I feel like as my friend shared that story with me uh, this week, I felt the Lord say, get ready. This is going to be happening more and more frequently. Get ready. Favor is coming. You carry favor on you. You carry the presence of Jesus in you, and so his favor is on you because people of his presence create places of his presence. And that's part of our assignment. As a church, this is what, this is who we are. Our assignment as a church is to change the atmosphere of the city. And I get confused, I don't know about you, but I get confused in that sometimes. I get confused and I think that it's my assignment to show the power of God. It's a confession, if you didn't catch that. I feel like I get confused and I feel like, well, it's my job to display the power of God. To demonstrate his ability. You know, as if his power is something that needs to be proved. But our assignment isn't, here at Vineyard Cleveland, our assignment isn't to display that our God is powerful. And mainly that is because our God is not insecure about who he is. If our God, <laughs> if our God was really, if our God was an insecure person, he'd be asking us to display his power all the time. Because what do insecure people do? Prove them, they try to prove themselves all the time. None of you would be trying to do that, would you? Can you level with me here? But Jesus, you know, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And they're like, come down off of the cross. What are they asking him? They're asking him to prove himself. Prove yourself, prove yourself, prove yourself. And Jesus is like, "Uh uh-uh. I ain't coming down. So our assignment is not to display the power of God because he's not insecure. The assignment is to see atmospheres transformed by his glory and his goodness. And ultimately, it's about whole communities. The whole of communities. Can you imagine? What would it look like? The whole of Brook Park, the whole of Parma Heights, the whole of Medina, the entire city of Brunswick, all of East Cleveland, all of University Circle, Shaker Heights, wherever you live. All of it experiencing his presence. Because cities, cities aren't changed. Cleveland isn't changed by Christians pointing out its failures. Cities are changed. Cleveland is changed by living out our favor. Let's say again. Cleveland, any city, is not changed by pointing out their failure. A city is changed by living out of our favor. Mm-hmm. Carrying abundance. 
of heaven into broken places. And this creates a shift in people's minds. And that's what repentance is. And that's what I felt where we'd end up today, is repentance. And I felt like that's what the Lord would have us talk about. And I sensed him speaking that. I want you to talk about and call people to repentance. And after I said in my mind, get behind me, Satan, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I felt like the Lord was teaching me what he wanted to share with people about what repentance means. Because carrying his presence is going to create a shift in people's minds, and that's what repentance is. Changing the way that we think. Changing our minds about who he is, about what our city is. Because God loves our city. A lot of people think that God doesn't love our city. We think that about God, that he doesn't care for our city. We think that, and and I feel like God wants to say to us all this morning that he really likes our city. He thinks Cleveland is magical. He loves our city. And he wants to change the way that we think about our spouse. He wants to change the way that we think about our kids. And so thus enter the word repentance. He wants us to change the way we view our city. Because our city, the way that God sees it, is the way that we should see it. And our city is not difficult to reach. Our city is super easy to reach. It's the church that's difficult to reach. Let me unpack that for you a little bit. (laughs) Some wandering eyes there. If we carry presence to our coworkers, our neighbors, our friends, if we carry the impossible inside of us, we, we're, we're called to see our neighbors in, in that perspective. If and when we begin to do that, we begin to see that nowhere is difficult. Nowhere is difficult. A lot of times you'll hear pastors say, man, I want to I see my church grow, four million people in my church, uh, but my city is just so tough to reach. Oh, your city is so difficult to reach. Why is your city so difficult to reach? I thought God loved your city. God loves culture. He's not criticizing Cleveland right now. He, God loves culture. God loves businesses. God loves our entrepreneurs. God loves our doctors. God loves our teachers. God loves our school systems. God loves those people in those places. Mm-hmm. And so nowhere becomes difficult. All that's needed is that we change our minds about the way that we think about those people those people, and about our city. Because his presence fuels repentance. His presence fuels repentance. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 4. In Matthew 4, 17, he says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
Jesus' central message was the kingdom of God. And the way that the kingdom moves forward or advances is through repentance. And I felt like this morning he would be calling some of us to that because in, in the right perspective, that repentance is the precursor to abundance. So his way of creating climates of repentance in our city is through people who understand what that looks like in their own, way, in their own lives. When he invites us into repentance, it's never separate from his presence. It's soaked in his presence. Repentance is never separate from the presence of Jesus. And that's the way he leads us into repentance, is through his abundance, through his increasing and accelerating favor. Do you remember Luke 5? Do you remember when Peter... And the boys are out fishing, and they're out all night, and they haven't caught anything. And then Jesus comes to them, and he says, put your nets down on this side. And Peter's like, tried that spot, nothing. Already tried it. Thanks a lot, Jesus. He's like, no, really, put, put your nets down on this side. And so they do. And what happens? They haul in so many fish that their, their nets break. And in Luke 5, 8, Peter says, Forgive me, Lord, I am a sinner. So the abundance led to Peter's repentance. You see, the Lord, Jesus is not far, he's not far off criticizing your character. He uses, he's near using abundance to draw you closer to his presence. He uses favor or abundance to lead us into repentance. Because he knows, because Jesus knows that once we taste, we see. Taste, then see. Not taste and see. Taste, then see. Experience, abundance, that was good. Leads me into repentance. Think about Isaiah. He's this prophet of God. He's in the temple. He's seeing angels. Seraphim, they're flapping their wings. The glory of God is settling in the temple. And what does Isaiah respond? Woe to me. The The glory of God comes first. The abundance of God first. And then... Repentance. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. In the atmosphere of favor, Isaiah is led to repentance. So when he invites us into repentance, he's not critiquing our character, he's drawing near to us with his character. And once we see this for our own lives, we can begin to see this over our city. And we'll just close here. That favor is coming. That's what we want. That's what we're about at Vineyard Cleveland. To see entire communities, whole communities. The dream, um, Jonathan, who led us this morning in worship, had a word 
before he and his family moved up to Cleveland. He's cleaning out, he, he's looking at his basement thinking about, he had no idea he would be coming to Cleveland. And he felt like the Lord was saying, get ready. And he starts cleaning the basement, <laughs> cleaning up the basement. And the Lord keeps on saying to him, get ready. And I felt like that was for us this morning. Get ready, get ready, get ready. In increasing and accelerating measure, favor is coming. Favor is coming to Vineyard Cleveland. Favor is coming to the creatives of Vineyard Cleveland. There will be songs that come out of Vineyard Cleveland that will bless the entire city and region of Northeast Ohio. Uh, that will, there, there are songs that are right now that are being birthed in the hearts of people here that will travel around the globe. There are books that are yet to be written There are people here this morning who are called to be authors who are going to need to get ready to start writing to document the things that the the Lord is going to do in, among, and through us. Because Because I want to pat each one of you on the back and say, good job, keep it up, don't give up, don't give in. You're bringing life because you carry presence in your chest. You're not just people who say, oh, it's really great, Jesus died for my sin. But you carry presence into your workplace every day. And you cannot contain that. The hearts of this place are too big to contain inside of these walls. We're not just doing church here. That's not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up to be like, okay, here's a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. But this is the normal Christian life, is to see these things happen. To see the presence of God manifest and the glory of God cover the face of the earth. Doesn't Habakkuk say, the glory of the Lord covering the face of the earth like the, um, like the waters. Some of you are called to be mothers and fathers in your community. To care for the least, the last, and the lost in a way where there are fatherless children running around your community. And the Lord is saying, open your eyes, look. You're being called to pastor in your own community. And I feel like the way that that happens, like in Acts 19, the way that that happens is not through more people getting saved. It's not. The way that that happens is, is when people who are already know that, they sit, that they're saved become lit up with the fire of God. So much so that they cannot stand to see the brokenness happen any longer. It's got to stop because the presence of God doesn't desire that for our city. He loves Cleveland. That's, that's when we'll start to see in even, that's when the fun begins. <laughs> when, not when more people come to faith. That'd be great. That'd be great if more people came to faith. Would it be great if I preached the good news to you this morning? Hey, y'all need to believe in Jesus. Y'all, y'all, need, to, y'all need to know that, that Jesus came as uh, God in the flesh and died on the cross for your sin and for mine. And he rose from the grave. Amen. And then not travel any further than these four walls. But that's not what's going to change our city. 
And the vision of our church is not to see more people saved. The vision of our church is to see people lit up with the with the presence of God. I wish I could explain. I wish I could express. I don't have words this morning. How 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 and I hear you saying you have a lot of words this morning. We're closing. I wish I wish I could express to you. I wish I could find words to express the way that I felt this week, the way that I've felt these last two weeks, living in co- um, constant con- conversation with Jesus, oneness with Jesus. Hudson Taylor uproots his whole life, moves to China in the 1800s. He starts preaching. He starts uh, praying for people. He doesn't see anything. He doesn't see any miracles. doesn't see anybody come to faith. He's utterly discouraged. He says in a letter that he starts to hate myself. I hate myself. I hate my sin. All I know is the consciousness that I'm a sinner. And then he discovers 2 Timothy. And what Paul writes in 2 Timothy is that even when, how do you get it? You guys are wondering, how do I get it then? Even when we are faithless, he is faithful. And when Hudson Taylor began to see that, he couldn't, he couldn't squeeze all of the abundant fatness, he calls it, into his puny little branch. Vine branches. He couldn't fit it all in there. He began to see it as it is. And the reality is, is that it's not that he is the vine and we are the branches. It's that Jesus is the vine, the branches, the leaves, the fruit, the soil, the sun, the sky. It's the presence of God in everything that we do, in everything that we say, in everything that we feel and think and express to other people. And once Hudson Taylor grasped the secret, I'm telling you, the most precious secret of the kingdom of God right now, it's simple. It's practicing the presence of Jesus. It's beholding Jesus. That's it. Why don't we stand together? That's it. That's the greatest secret. And I'm sure that you've had other... If you've been around church for any number of years or months, you've had other preachers express it to you more eloquently and more theologically than I can. I have. But I feel like the Lord would be saying this morning, um, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. There are dreams that God has planted in your heart. There's a story that he wants to play out through your life and through my life, through our lives together, Vineyard Cleveland, that is larger than these walls that wants to spill out into our communities. There's a beautiful story that God is writing here at Vineyard Cleveland.